Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Today, we visit with two women who talk about living up to impossible standards that we put on ourselves, which often are a result of comparing our lives to others. Jenny Allen is a Bible teacher and the author of Nothing to Prove, Why We Can Stop Trying So Hard. Jenny shares how her need for approval from others led to emptiness and how she found fulfillment in the affirming words of Christ. My name is Jenny Allen, and I am blessed to have four kids and be married to Zach Allen for 20 years now. And we live in Austin, Texas, and over the last few years have had the pleasure of getting to lead an incredible team at If Gathering. And that is an organization that exists to serve leaders within the church, to give them tools, to disciple people, to make disciples. I grew up in Little Rock, Arkansas, and my parents went to church. They loved us and they loved the church and they taught us to love God. But I don't think through those years of growing up, I ever saw how much I needed God for myself. It was a lot later that I actually saw my need for Jesus and my need for a savior and that I saw my own sin. And and so all those years, I think I probably appeared to be following Jesus and loving Jesus, but I don't remember a real relationship with him through those years. I remember being fearful that I would let people down. I had a real desire to, to please everybody around me, specifically my dad and and I think that that became such a burden because I was needing something from him. I was needing something from people that would never actually be enough for me. When I was 17 years old, I was at Canicut Camps in Branson, Missouri. And they do something every year. They have the three crosses and they reenact Jesus's death. But I'd never processed that I had been a part of what put him on that cross until I was 17 years old. I was just absolutely broken. And I remember just crying and crying that night and and just really saw a complete life shift in me at that point. I mean, I came back home and I immediately started talking about God in such a way that I think it was annoying to my friends. I just was so enthralled with him. I was so moved by what he'd done. And so after, of course, my friends were done with my ridiculous obnoxious passion, I found some girls that were two years younger and started teaching them the Bible. And what's so funny is that, and the reason I believe that was the point I was saved, even though I grew up in a Christian family, is I really saw my gifts come into play at that point. I mean, I I wanted to teach the Bible. The first thing I wanted to do when I got home was was teach the Bible. And so I did. That's just been the thing that I love to do. That's that's the passion of my life. And and I felt called to to give my life to that. So it's cool. I, I do believe that he is is so gracious to reveal our sin to us at different places. You know, at that point, I still deeply loved and cared about people's opinions, and likely was even controlled by that. If, if everybody's happy with us, if we have what we need, that we all of a sudden don't need God. And I think the grace of God is to reveal the places that we depended on ourselves or things in this world more than him and he wants a relationship with us ultimately and so what draws us back to that a lot of times it's it's our need for him and our recognition that these things that we chase are not actually satisfying us the power of of loving god more and embracing him more than this earth has been that i actually have his approval and not because of my performance or good works but because of what he's done for me and my security in the work of Christ. And 
And that is just such a freeing way to live. The one of the ways that approval had had caused such disruption in my life was that I was very controlling about my gifts and how I use them because I wanted to be right with people. So I never would brave being in front of more than seven people because seven people I could keep tabs on, you know, are they, are they, do they still like me? Are we, am I connecting? You know, is it, do I have their approval? When it got past that, it felt like, oh gosh, I can't control that. So I just always taught the Bible to about seven people in my living room from the time of 18 to 30 something. I mean, I, I just did. That's what I did for years and years and years. And, and I realized when I was confessing that sin of people pleasing, it was specifically one night that I had a really a breakthrough with that. And it was with um, Katie Davis's blog who moved to Uganda really against her parents' wishes, against her friends' understanding. She, at a very young age, moved to Uganda and actually started to adopt girls off the street. And it was such a radical story. And reading it, I just realized, gosh, I could never do something. If God called me to something like that, I could never do it because I cared too much about what everybody thought, about what my parents thought, everybody's opinions. And so I really saw that as a limiting force in my life. And that night, confessed that sin and really woke up the next day a lot more free. And I'm not saying completely free, but, but largely since that day, people's opinions have not been my greatest stronghold. Jesus so often talked about have no other love before God and, and said, you know, pick up your cross and follow me. He said to the rich man, you know, you can't love God and money. You've got to choose, you know. And I realized once I just really surrendered the thing I loved more than him, he was just all of a sudden loud and clear, you know, leading me and moving me and showing us where he wanted us to be and what he wanted from us. It wasn't written in the sky and it wasn't a voice in the sky, but he definitely began to work in really powerful ways in our lives. I just believe there were so many places he was calling us. One of a, those places was adoption. We had an empty bed in our home. And as we said, anything God, it was very clear. We were supposed to fill that bed. Now, the process of filling that bed would be years. And it would be him leading us down different paths to get to our kid, Cooper, who's our, our youngest. But, but that started it. And then another place he said, you know, Jenny, you have been controlling how you use your gifts. And I want you to open your hands and I want you to just use your gifts however I tell you. And the first clear way was to open up a Bible study that I'd already taught in my living room to seven women. And it was called Stuck. And we opened it up in our young church. And 150 women came. And it was powerful. My husband kind of said, Jenny, this is obviously God is blessing this. We're about to be adopting. You know, our son will come home. This was over a course of a few years. And, and why don't you take this to a writer's conference and see if God wants to use this in a bigger way? We were already making printed copies for other churches. So sure enough, I went and, and there was a, a lot of interest. And, and before I knew it, Stuck was actually being published and, and as well as a book called Anything, which was just the story of surrender that we had walked through. So it was interesting because I, I was scared of more than seven people's opinions and now all of a sudden I was going to be in front of a lot of people's opinions all the time. And, and, and I love it because it still is difficult for me, but, I, it, but it humbles me and it, it brings me back to Jesus again and again. I look at David's life specifically in the Bible and, you know, at the beginning of his life in ministry with, when God had said, you're going to be king, Saul was trying to kill him and, and his men can come for him. At, at a certain moment they could have taken Saul's life and he holds his men back and then later near the end of his life his son Absalom tries to take over the kingdom and 
and, and his men come to him again and say, can we go take over, you know, to, let me take him out, Absalom. And he holds his men back. And I just think there was a real belief in, in David that it was not his job to defend his name. It was not his job to defend his position and and that God would defend his name. And and that has given me a lot of freedom to, to let people say things that, that may be true and maybe not are true. Those things aren't true, but but I can I can sit at peace and do my best to be right with God. I thought if my gifting was enough, if if I had enough, if I could be enough, then finally, you know, I would have what I need and I wouldn't feel all this pressure. But the truth is I'll never ever be enough for the work that God has called me to be. We're never gonna be perfect parents. We're never gonna be enough for these supernatural tasks that God's put before us. The beautiful thing is we don't have to be and that we get to rest in his abundance and give out of that abundance. And the only thing God clearly asks of us is love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love other people well and to abide, to stay near him in that relationship. And as we abide, then that fruit will grow, but not in our own power. When Jenny was able to let go of her desire to please people, she was able to open herself up to what Jesus had to say about her and felt more drawn to his ways over her own. Jenny tells us how Jesus' calling helped fill her need for more of Jesus' presence in her life. I do think that we all are craving um, more of Jesus and, and how do we walk near to him. I do believe that, that we are sometimes missing um, the intimacy that Jesus wants. We can sometimes be so pragmatic about God that, and, and even do the theological work around God, but we miss that he's really drawing us into relationship. And I think, I think that's what Sarah did well with that, that work was, Hey, I'm a, I, I want you, I want a relationship with you. And I think that was a clear message and, and throughout the Bible and Jesus's ministry is, you know, this, I'm offering you myself. And that's the greatest thing we can have is to be near to Jesus and close to him and not miss him in this busy life. Jesus has a backwards way of setting us free. It is through things that none of us would choose. I think of turn the other cheek. You know, what did he mean? That, that has to feel like the hardest thing in the world to do. But the powerful ways of Jesus is that as we lay down our life, as we lay down our rights, as we lay down what we think we want our lives to be like. He blows in in supernatural ways. Whatever it is that, that we think we need to be fulfilled, but in letting go of it, I believe, is when we experience the peace and the joy and that it is well with my soul that Jesus meant. And we get to walk with Him by still waters. It's, it's not easy. It's just absolutely the way we were built to live. It's, it's, it's how we were meant to enjoy these lives that aren't perfect. To find out more about Jenny Allen's book, Nothing to Prove, please visit JennyAllen.com. Stay with us for our next interview with Kristen Hatton, the author of FaceTime, Your Identity in a Selfie World, right after this brief message from Audible. As a special offering to you, the listeners of the Jesus Calling Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Find your favorite Sarah Young titles, including Jesus Calling and Jesus Always, in an audiobook version, and get it for free by trying audible.com. Check out a small sample of the Jesus Calling audiobook featured at the end of this podcast. 
To download an entire free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash Jesus Calling. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash Jesus Calling for your full free audiobook. Now on to our interview with Kristen Hatton. Kristen Hatton is a Bible teacher, author, and mom whose latest book is called FaceTime, Your Identity in a Selfie World. Through teaching a Bible study to teen girls, Kristen began to see a destructive pattern of comparison, a standard of trying to live up to an unrealistic ideal of perfection. Kristen's desire, through her book, is to help young women see their identity in Christ, to live for Him, and to let go of trying to be something they're not. I'm Kristen Hatton, and I am the wife of a pastor, and I have three teenagers. One's in college, my daughter, and then I've got two boys, a high schooler and a middle schooler, so I'm definitely in the teen, parenting teen phase of life. Um, I am the author of two books now. My second book is coming out um, right now. It's called FaceTime, Your Identity in a Selfie World. My first book was called Get Your Story Straight. I grew up in Houston, Texas. I was a Texan my whole life until I moved to Oklahoma about eight years ago. Um, so our family is all still there and, and so many of our good friends. Um, and I have a sister and I just had a great childhood. I grew up in the church, so I feel really blessed that I really don't know a day um, that Jesus was not important and part of my life. We were just in such a different era back then where we played outside and we rode our bikes. And like I remember playing cards on my bed, like solitaire. I mean, I can't even imagine a teenager doing that now. Um, our family played board games and did puzzles and, and the things I did with my friends. You would have the slumber party and, and just enjoy each other's company and you weren't worried about what another group of girls was doing somewhere else. I um, went to school in Dallas and had stayed in Dallas and was working. I was a PR major and I got into political fundraising. So I had a really fun job and actually worked for um, President George W. Bush's campaign before he was ever even governor. So um, I was in Dallas. I kind of had aspirations of going to D.C., but then I met my husband, and he was in Dallas going to seminary. And we met actually at church through a mutual friend of mine that I had known from college. And my husband and I were engaged three months later. So we stayed in Dallas, and he finished seminary. And I continued doing political fundraising for a lot of years, even up until I had my third baby. Um, and then just was a stay-at-home mom. And so the, the being a writer and a speaker has just come into being since I've had my own teenagers. I started leading a girls Bible study when my daughter was in sixth grade and I continued with them all the way until they graduated last year. So for seven years, I felt like I had this front row seat into the lives of girls. And in particular, my own daughter, she confided in me, I think at the beginning of her junior year that she was struggling with an eating disorder. And so, when I thought about just her own struggles with social media and how it pertained or how her eating disorder and social media kind of meshed up, I mean, just the comparison lifestyle and looking and thinking that other people had everything together and that everybody else looked skinnier and prettier and in those pictures, how it was impacting her, I thought, gosh, 
how many other girls are struggling with this too. And so that led me to do an online anonymous teen survey. And initially that survey went out just through channels kind of in our community. And as I started getting results back, I was really blown away. I was shocked. I couldn't believe how many girls were struggling and saying the same things. And so I decided to send it out a little bit broader to friends in other cities and have them send it to girls in their schools and their kids' friends. And again, same type things. And it didn't seem to matter whether the girls were public school, private school, homeschool. It was just heartbreaking and very eye-opening. I mean, even for us as adults, like you said, we're on social media and we too can go down that path of of looking at someone else and thinking, oh, I wish I had their life or I wish I had this or that. So I think it's a constant reorienting ourselves, which is why we need the gospel every single day. So I think uh, one of the beauties of Jesus Calling is it just shows us what is true of all of Scripture. It's inexhaustible. It's always timely. It's very personal. I mean, it's the Word of God. It's living and active, and it's His gift to us for all of life, for true life. So I think that that's what it is about Jesus Calling is that it doesn't matter what we're going through. It speaks to us very directly and personally, and it's exactly that reminder that we need from Him um, that he's with us and that you see he's for us. One thing I've discovered in my years of, of teaching, actually discovered really early on, is that even these girls who are churched, they have very little knowledge of the Bible and understanding of the gospel. And so I could say to them, what is the gospel? And they would look at me and not be able to articulate it. And so then they certainly didn't know how the gospel then applied to their life in very specific ways. We have to understand His worth and work for us, that He was perfect for us. And when He lived the perfect life and then died a sacrificial death and we become a believer, we accept that truth, then His record is ours. And so we are viewed as perfect and holy and righteous. And that is our standing. And so that is what I want to communicate to girls, that you are loved and you are accepted and you are approved because of who Jesus was for you. That is where your true identity goes. So even when you have failed, messed up, you see your imperfections, God looks at you the way He sees His Son. And that is freedom. When we get the God of the universe loves us like that, that is what we have to rest on. And so I don't think that we can over talk that message. I think it's something we all need to hear all the time. And there's lots of other writers and speakers talking about this right now too, because identity and worth is such a big thing, no matter what age you are. I mean, just the idea of living loved and to be free from having to be perfect. I really want them to see who Jesus is for them. I want them to come to see him as their friend and to see that it is all about his work and his worth for them and that he provides true life, that he is their identity. For more information about Kristen's book, FaceTime, Your Identity in a Selfie World, visit her website at kristenhatton.com. Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, our guests include author and speaker Jen Hatmaker and singer-songwriter Nicole Nordeman. Jen's new book of Mess and Moxie, Wrangling Delight Out of This Wild and Glorious Life, recounts hilarious and touching stories from her life and the incredible resiliency she believes all women have. Here's a preview of our interview with Jen. 
Suffering does not mean you're doing life wrong. It just means you're a human being. Um, it means that you are going to encounter the exact sorts of things that every human has encountered for all of time. Um, and so um, there's nothing that we should romanticize about the beautiful parts of life or that we should demonize about the hard parts of life. We have both. We all will have mess, and I know that word has gotten a lot of play. Um, but whatever word you want to fill in the blank there, um, struggle, pain, disappointment, um, boredom, failure, fill it in mess. We will all experience mess, but this is what I know for sure about women. Women and their capacity to overcome, to, to be resilient, to rise back up, to stand back up, um, to walk forward is stunning. Today's featured passage comes from the February 28th entry of the Jesus Calling audiobook. Stop judging and evaluating yourself, for this is not your role. Above all, stop comparing yourself with other people. This produces feelings of pride or inferiority, sometimes a mixture of both. I lead each of my children along a path that is uniquely tailor-made for him or her. Comparing is not only wrong, it is also meaningless. Don't look for affirmation in the wrong places, your own evaluations or those of other people. The only source of real affirmation is my unconditional love. Many believers perceive me as an unpleasable judge, angrily searching out their faults and failures. Nothing could be farther from the truth. I died for your sins so that I might clothe you in my garments of salvation. This is how I see you, radiant in my robe of righteousness. When I discipline you, it is never in anger or disgust. It is to prepare you for face-to-face -face fellowship with me throughout all eternity. Immerse yourself in my loving presence. Be receptive to my affirmation, which flows continually from the throne of grace. Hear more great stories about the impact Jesus Calling is having all over the world. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Calling podcast on iTunes. We value your reviews and comments so we can reach even more people with the message of Jesus Calling. And if you have your own story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Visit JesusCalling.com to share your story today.